Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Monday after an absolute shit show at the City Ground. Nottingham Forest 1, Liverpool 0 in the Premier League. That's bottom of the table. Nottingham Forest 1, Liverpool 0. I don't want to relitigate this game. It has been talked about enough. It depresses me how bad we are at the moment. That result, that performance, more so than the result, was a disgrace. The lack of effort, the lack of intensity, the lack of focus... It's just unacceptable from this group of players. Nottingham Forest are not good. They are bottom of the league for a reason. This entire league is fairly mediocre. There is, there's City, who are the one very good team in the league. There's Arsenal, who've had a very good start. And the rest is varying degrees of mediocrity. Like Spurs sit third. They've lost three of their last five games. Newcastle are fourth. They're not very good. They're not very good. Chelsea aren't very good. United aren't very good. Fulham aren't good. And then there's us. We should be better than all the teams above us, bar the top two. And we're a better team than Arsenal. They've just had a very favourable start to the Premier League season in terms of the run of fixtures and the time they met us and the fact that the referee was an absolute abomination. It is unacceptable for us to be eighth in this league. We're as close to the bottom of the league as we are to third place. Seven points is all that separates us from Forrest now after that game at the weekend. If we'd won that game, we'd be two points all fourth with the game in hand over Newcastle and if we beat Chelsea we would have gone fourth so it does go to show that a couple of games here and there can really turn things on its head and there's no reason to write off top four just yet Newcastle are not getting top four they're just not going to get top four they'll be lucky if they finish seven and the likes of Luke Edwards can spout on about a big seven all he wants for one season for one week in the top four behave yourself Luke Um, compromised journalists 
are a really dangerous thing in all walks. Obviously, since the game, there's been a lot of talk about the failure to invest in the summer. This is not a new thing. It's something we've all known about. It's something we talked about all summer long. There was, without question, a massive need for a starting caliber midfielder. Ginny Wijnaldum was never replaced. People that tell you Thiago was the replacement are talking out of their rear ends. Ginny Wijnaldum was never replaced. And the others in the squad have all declined. Bar Thiago, who has had injury problems. And when you go through our squad, as I did today on Scouted with Carl, you look at a group of players that are either injury prone or not good enough. With a couple of exceptions. Allison. Injury issues, Virgil, one injury, but largely bulletproof. Mo, bulletproof. Diaz and Darwin, no real injury issues there. Outside of that, you're looking at players that have track records of injury or simply aren't good enough, either because they're not ready to be good enough, because they're... Two years away in the case of a Harvey, a Carvalho, or four years away in the case of Basetic and Bobby Clark, or they're over the hill and declining, or in the case of a Nat Phillips, just simply not to the level that's required. Everyone else in the squad is either injury prone, is injury prone. Gomez, Fab, Tiago, Milner's had a lot of injuries in recent years. Naby, Bobby's had a lot of injuries in recent years. Oh, Adrian goes in the Nat Phillips category. Not injury prone, but just not good enough. Uh, Ox, injury prone. The captain, injury prone, not good enough. Jones, not injury prone, but picks up injuries and not good enough. Maybe in a year, two years, but not now. Uh, Costas, sorry, I did forget Costas. No injury issues and good enough to be a, a solid backup left back. Diaz doesn't have injury issues. He has, has an impact injury at the moment. He's clearly good enough, so he's fine. Robbo's good enough, but Robbo's had injury issues the last couple of years. Darwin's good enough, but he's out injured at the moment. He'll hopefully be back. Carvalho's a couple of years away. We don't, earn, we don't own Arthur Mello. Joel Matip is injury prone. Bobby Clark and Bastic aren't anywhere close to being ready. Uh, Nat Phillips isn't good enough. And Trent, obviously clearly good enough, but he's had injury issues in the last few years. This is a worrying thing. And we talked about on Scouted the need to sell to buy, which has been our kind of modus operandi in recent years. And we don't really have the players to sell now. So if we look at our squad and we look at who who's untouchable, who would you sell would you not sell under any circumstances? I would say Allison is the obvious first. 
I would say Virgil, Ibu, Tiago, Salah, Jota, Diaz, Robertson, Darwin, and Trent. That's 10 players. Molly's disagreeing with me. Who do you want then? Oh, she's saying we could sell Jota if the price is right. So Molly thinks we could sell Jota if the price was right, and I do agree. For the right amount of money, you'd probably consider it, but it would have to be a massive offer. Of the rest, I don't think we could consider selling any of them. Ali, Virgil, Ibu, Thiago, Salah, Diaz, Robertson, Darwin and Trent. And look, I could see people making an argument for selling Robbo. I just don't know what you'd get from because we'd have to replace him. And if you look around the league, City aren't going to buy him. We wouldn't sell him there. I don't imagine we'd sell him to United or Arsenal or Chelsea. I don't see Spurs buying him. They've got Perisic, Sessegnon, and uh, the Destiny, the kid they have coming next summer from Udinese. Chelsea have Cucurella. They have Chilwell. United have Luke Shaw and Malashi. I'm not saying these players are as good as Robbo, but they will look at them as left-back boxed off. Arsenal have Tierney and Zinchenko. Um, they won't be looking for a left-back. I don't I don't see Robbo as a player who'd go to Spain. I don't see him as a player who'd go to Italy or France or Germany. And let's be honest, Bayern are the only club in Germany that could afford him. They already have Alfonso Davies. PSG are the only club in France that could afford him. They already have Nuno Mendes. Napoli could maybe afford him, but they've got decent left backs there. Milan, maybe, but they've got Teo Hernandez. Juve would be the one I'd look at, but I just don't see Robbo as the player who'd go to Italy. I, I just don't. Maybe I'm wrong. And like I say, it would probably cost what we get to replace him, and you'd be replacing him probably with someone who's not quite as good straight away. So, they're the group I keep. Of the rest, you could definitely sell Joe Gomez. You get a lot of interest, I think, in Joe. I would have originally put Fabinho in the other category, but there's no doubting the guy is miles out of form. And he did have a rough end to last season, and he's been largely poor this season. He's had a couple of good games. Ajax at home. It was really good against City. But aside from that, Milner has no value. So there's no point in selling him. He just needs to be released at the end of the season. You could have sold Keita, but he's out of contract at the end of the year, so you're not getting anything for him. Could have sold Bobby back in the day, but he was too important. And now that he's less important, even though he's having good a good goal-scoring season, He's had a contract at the end of the year, so there's no value there. Henderson has no value. You might get 
I don't know, 15 million, maybe. He's 32. He's injury prone. He's clearly declined substantially. So there's no value there. Ox is at a contract at the end of the season. Curtis Jones, you could sell. Might get a decent fee for him. Harvey Elliott, you could sell. Costas, you could sell. Carvalho, you could sell. I'm talking about players you can sell and not affect the first team, the 11. Um, Matip, you could sell. Nat Phillips, you could sell. You could sell Bassetich, you could sell Bobby Clark. You're not getting any money for them, the kids. You're not going to get <clears throat> fair value for them. And if you look at the lads we have on loan this season, there's not a whole lot there that's going to bring in a large sum of money. There just isn't. Um, Orzinski, the young keeper, no. Bradley, no. Balagizzi, no. Kometio, no. Pitaluga, no. Lewis, no. Yaros, no. Arejo, maybe a million quid. Uh, Beck, no. Williams, no. Tyler Morton might bring a decent fee. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Clarkson, probably not. Half a million, maybe, a million. Vandenberg, he might bring a decent fee. Byrne, Glatzel, O'Rourke, Waltman won't bring in enough to make it worthwhile selling them. Now, look, these are there's a lot of good players on that list. You know, the the, the young goalkeepers are all very, very highly regarded. Rosinski, Yaros, and Pitaluga, all very highly regarded. But look at the level they're playing at the moment. You're not going to get big money based on a player who's done well in League Two or League One. You're just not. Same thing with Connor Bradley, I think he's a very talented footballer, but he's at Bolton at the moment. So you're going to get a championship team that might want him. You're not going to get a Premier League club coming in looking at him. Same thing with Owen Beck. So there's 10 players there that I would argue you could sell to try and raise funds. Gomez, Fabinho, Jones, Elliot, Costas, Carvalho, Matip, Phillips, Morton and Vandenberg. Fabinho's out of form to such an extent that teams might think he's completely washed. So the fee you get from likely doesn't even cover bringing in a decent replacement. So there's no point in selling him. I would say Joe Matip, with his age and his injury issues, 
there's probably a limit on what he'd bring in, maybe 15, maybe 20 million at the very, very most. You're not replacing Joel Matip with that money. So you've got to now put more money to buying a replacement for Matip, someone who's of a similar level or can get to his level. So it doesn't actually help you in terms of fixing the other issues with the squad. Because that's the aim here, fix the other issues with money gained from internal sales. So Matip's not worth selling. Nat Phillips maybe brings in, I don't know, $8 million. Tyler Morton, maybe 5 to $7 million. Seth Vandenberg, maybe $5 million. Well, there's $20 million between those three. That might buy you one decent squad player who can contribute for us. And it leaves us with Gomez, Jones, Elliot, Costas, and Carvalho. So let's take Costas. We could put him on the market tomorrow and get 20 million. But we'd have to go and find a decent backup left back then. Ideally, someone that we could look at as a future starter to replace Robbo in two years and Robbo then becomes the backup. So you're looking at someone with a high ceiling. Those left backs are going for big money. Look at Aaron Hickey. He's someone we were probably looking at with a view on that. He went for 20 million this summer. Ray and Ait Nuri, someone I, I would imagine is on that kind of shortlist. He'd be easily 25, 30 million. So again, it's not really helping us in the short term. It's not like we can get someone for 5 million who can do a similar job to Costas and then put that 15 towards a midfielder. So you could definitely sell Costas and get 20 million. I know we've just bought Carvalho, but he's not an integral part of the team right now. He's, If we were fully fit and whole, he wouldn't be an integral part of the squad right now. He'd be on the bench playing here and there intermittently. But what would you get from? We paid five. Would you get 15? Is that worthwhile? I don't think it is. So I don't think there's much point in selling Fabio Carvalho. Curtis Jones hasn't really developed in the last 15 months. He's had the eye injury. He's had this stress injury. He played very little football last season. He's played very little football this season. So what fee are you going to get from? He's 21. He's five months younger than Jacob Ramsey. And Jacob Ramsey is substantially ahead of him in terms of development. Now, development's not linear. Not all players develop at the same speed. But Curtis made his debut quite a while before Jacob Ramsey. And Jacob Ramsey looks like the type of player that could start for most Premier League clubs, whereas Curtis, you're you're struggling outside of like Bournemouth to find a club he would definitely start for right now. Not in two years, not when he develops into what he might be, but right now. You can look up and down the league, and I just don't think you're finding too many clubs that Curtis Jones walks into and is an immediate starter. Certainly doesn't start for Arsenal City or Tottenham. You could make an argument he might get in the Newcastle team, but they're going to go and buy a bigger name and a more ready-made player. He's not starting for Chelsea or United. 
where would he play at Fulham as a 10? Andreas Pereira is a better player than him right now. He doesn't get a game at Brighton. I don't believe he gets a game at Brentford when they've got everybody. Onyeka or Damsgaard, Norgaard, they've got Jensen, they've got Janold. I just, I think they're all ahead of him right now. I don't think he gets in the Everton team at the moment over Onana or Iwobi, the way he's playing. Crystal Palace, maybe. But could you play him and Eze in the same midfield? I don't think so. So that'll be a no. He could start for Bournemouth. There's no question. He's not getting a game for Villa when they've got everybody. Southampton, no. Leicester, no. West Ham, no. Leeds, no. Wolves, no. Forest, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, Mangala and Lewis O'Brien, plus Ryan Yates and Remo Freuler, I would say those four are better players than him right now. So you've got Bournemouth, really. So you could sell them there, but what are they going to pay for them? Again, 20 million? And that would help. That would help, for sure. You get that 20 million, you wouldn't really need to directly replace them. You could put that towards something. So that's 40 million there. Because like I said, with Costas, most of that money is going straight back into replacing Costas. It's not helping you fix anything else. Gomez. Pre-injury, I think we could have got maybe 45, 54. And when you see what Ben White went for, who's an inferior player. Um, but after the injuries, with the issues he's having when he plays, the inconsistencies... He's still only 25. He's still an English centre-back. He is still a good player. Would you get 30? I think you'd probably get 30. The problem there is most of that's going to go back into replacing him. So what's the point in selling him? Like you could sell him and buy Maxence Lacroix or Edmund Topsopper, but they're going to cost... 30, 35 million. They're going to cost the same money. Now, it might improve us as a squad because they might just be better defenders than Joe right now. They might not be, though. Because we don't really know what Joe's actual level is right now because he's only had a handful of games. And there's been some good ones and some bad ones in there. So until he can shake that inconsistency out of his game, you don't know what his actual level is. So right now, I would say there's no real point in selling Joe Gomez. Like there's no point in selling costs because that money will just go to replacing them. And then there's Harvey. And he's a really tough one to put a value on. He's come back off a really horrible injury. He looks fine. There's no after effects of the injury. But what is the value of a Harvey Elliott? Like, he's not a... I don't believe he's an elite-level prospect. I don't think, if you look at other 19, 20-year-olds in world football, I my opinion is he's not on the same level, talent-wise, as them. He's also a little bit caught between positions. The right side of a midfield four or a four-two-three-one is probably the best role for him. But I think you've got to have the right setup then 
You've got to play with a 10. You've got to have pace on the other side because he doesn't have enough. You've got to have a fairly defensively solid right back because he's just not a good defensive player. He will try hard. I'll give him that. He does try hard. Like I think Harvey's best value is probably to lower the fee for a Jude Bellingham. You offer 70 million on Harvey rather than 100 million cash. I think if you tried to sell him, you'd probably get 20 million from 25 at a push. Whereas I think you could maybe value him up a little bit in a part exchange for a, a Jude Bellingham or a, well, Michael Elise would be an obvious one, who's a similar type of player, just a better player, better version, more creative, better passer, more pace, higher ceiling. You could maybe lower a, a potential 50 million fee or 55 million fee to 25 to, to 30 by including, including Harvey. But again, that's kind of a one-in, one-out, and you're spending money. So realistically, the only players I would look at right now that we can sell and use the money to bring in players that aren't direct replacements, Curtis, Nash, Tyler Morton, and Seb Vandenberg. That's $40 That might get you one midfielder. Probably not a starter, and we need two or three of them. So the big bosses in Boston are going to have to do what they don't like doing. They're going to have to put their hands in their pockets. Money needs to be spent on this squad. This squad needs to be regenerated significantly over the next two windows, January and the summer, because we can't afford another season after this of wasting the prime years of Mo Salah, Alison Becker, Virgil van Dijk and Thiago Alcantara. We cannot afford that. Those players will not stand for that. We can't afford to waste another year of having Jurgen Klopp as manager because those years are running out. They're running out. After this one, he's got three years left. Do we want to waste two of his last four years at the club? Regeneration is needed. And like Matip, Fabinho, they will need to be replaced. Now, Falb, I still think, could be a valuable squad player. The same with Joel. If they're happy to stay in those roles, if Joel was happy to stay as the fourth centre-back, great. If Fab was happy to stay in a rotation role in midfield, brilliant. If Costas was happy to stay as the backup left-back, fine. But eventually we are going to need to buy a a first-team player, a starter. And it's not going to be him. Costas is not going to be good enough to start regularly for Liverpool. He's just not. Which will mean we phase out Robbo and bring someone in, likely someone younger, and how will that affect Costas when he sees someone younger brought in to play ahead of him? Like I say, you could sell Gomez. 
You could down the line maybe look at Carvalho, but I think Carvalho can have more value with us. I, I think he could become, when Bobby leaves, I think Fabio could replace Bobby as one of the four forward options if we stay with four four two. Darwin and Jota as nines, Mo and Carvalho as sort of 9.5s. Different types of players, obviously, and I'm not suggesting in any way that Carvalho would be like the long-term Mo successor, but just for the the short term, two, three years, while we have Mo, he could be the one who comes in for Mo when Mo needs a rest. I think his partnership with Darwin would work well in the same way he worked well with Mitrovic, playing off him, dropping deep, using that burst of pace he has to get himself into the box ahead of defenders, get on the end of things. So, like, there's just there's not a whole lot there you'd want to sell. There's a few we could afford to sell, but not a whole lot you'd want to sell. And the ones you might want to sell, they don't have any value. Naby, no value. Milner, no value. Henderson, no value. Bobby, no value. Ox, no value. By right, all of them should be leaving the club this summer. And in truth, two of them at least, Naby and Ox, should have been sold at least a year ago. Because injuries have meant that they've never lived up to the potential of what they could have been at the club. Now their contracts are going to run out. They've got, you might get, what would you get, 10, 12 million for Naby in January? I mean, maybe that's worth taking. It'd certainly be money into the coffers. Same thing with Ox. You might get five to eight million for him with six months left in his deal. But again, like you sell the two of them, you've got the money to buy half a player. Half a player good enough to come in and play in this team. What this team should be. It's really tough. But big decisions are going to have to be made. And money is going to have to be made available. It's going to have to be spent. No more summers of fucking net spends of 10 million. No more. It's not acceptable for this club. It's just not. This club makes record revenues year upon year upon year and seems to bleed money, but not into the first team. Like if somebody can give me a real breakdown of how how our wage bill works, I'd love to see it. Because there's absolutely no way our wage bill is the same as City is in United's when our top earners don't earn anywhere close to what theirs are. Like Mo is our top earner, 350 grand a week. Then it's Virgil and Ali, I think, 250 each. Like, if you look at United, they've got about six players earning more than Virgil and Ali. Chelsea, about the same. City have a half dozen, maybe probably even more than that, probably 10, earning more than 250 or more. And yet our wage bill is somehow the same as theirs. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. So either, well... The city wage bill is, is spoof anyway, because all it is is the base figures for their players. It doesn't include any of the bonuses. It doesn't include any of the other players outside of the first team picture who are contracted to the city football group. It doesn't include Pep, et cetera, et cetera. Our wage bill includes everybody at the club. But even at that, and even factoring in that we do pay incentives and bonuses and whatever, it just shouldn't be where it is. Now, is there big figures going every year to a Mike Gordon? 
to John Henry? Is he paying himself a large salary every year? I don't have an issue if he is. We'd just like to know about it. Like a bit more transparency on, you know, I don't want individual figures. I don't want to know what anybody individually earns, but I'd like to see the breakdown of X is the playing squad. Y is the coaching team. Everybody on that side, the, the, the medical side, the scouts, the analysts, all them, put them all in with the coaching. So what is the figure roughly for them? And then what's the figure for the rest? What's the figure on the admin side, on the operation side? Because it has to be fucking enormous. We'll never get it. And I don't expect that we ever would. But I would be very interested to see how our wage bill is made up. I have Mo Chatra doing a little bit of research for me. Finding out where we stand under FSG in terms of how much we've actually spent under them in terms of net profit over their tenure, on tra- net profit on transfers, I should say, or, ne- or net spend on transfers, versus profit made by the club on a year-to-year basis. So Mo's going to look into that, and uh, we might do a Money Talks on it later in the week or, or next week. Uh, but I'm, I, I'm at a loss as to how we've allowed our squad to end up like this. With so many injury-prone players, so reliant on children and crocs and lads that just shouldn't be at the club anymore. Shouldn't be at the club. James Miller shouldn't be at the club anymore. Ox shouldn't be at the club anymore. Nat Phillips shouldn't be at the club anymore. Why are they at the club? Why are they at the club? Like, what have we been doing for years now? Skating by. Putting duct tape over raging gaps in the squad. Klopp holding things together with a bit of crazy glue and some no more nails. A few cable ties. And people wonder, why do Liverpool have such bad luck with injuries? Because the squad is full of injury-prone players just is. It just is. It's full of injury-prone players. Go through the list of players that's injured at the moment. Like, Thiago's not injured at the moment. He's got an ear infection. He's grand. Darwin, he's not injured. He's got... It was precaution. But Jota, injury-prone. Ibu, history of injuries. Naby, injury-prone. Joel Matip, injury-prone. Thiago does is injury-prone, so it's not a surprise when he misses games. But, like, the only player that's currently injured that we own who's not injury prone or doesn't have a track record of injuries is Luis Diaz. Like even Arthur Mello has a history of injuries. So should we be surprised? Uh, Lads, ladies, I can't, I can't do this. I have to go. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.